All right. So uh, turning my attention to uh, tonight's show, as I already said, the topic is problem solving while we sleep. Uh, and the guest uh, is um, Lane Delphin. And let me tell you a little bit about Lane uh, before we start our chat. Um, Lane is a renowned expert in helping ordinary people decode their nighttime dreams. Uh, with 45 years of dream work behind her, she's been on ABC, NBC, CTV, uh, WGN, Global. Um, you know, <clears throat> they've uh, you know had her expertise uh, everywhere. Uh, she combines insights from Freud, Adler, Jung, and Pearls, uh, and she runs the Dream Interpretation Center in Montreal, uh, where she's been providing guidance on dream analysis for individuals and professionals since uh, uh, 19. Uh, she's been a lecturer for the, uh, for the counseling students at uh, nearby Concordia University. Uh, she's also an active member at the International Association for the Study of Dreams, uh, where she served on the board. Uh, her interest in dream analysis peaked when she underwent psychoanalysis for depression after the birth of the first of her four daughters, who was born with Down syndrome. She went on to enroll at the Gestalt Counseling and uh, training center certificate program and later studied with Dr. Leo Gold uh, of the Alfred Adler Institute of New York. She does private consultations on the phone uh, or via Skype. She offers workshops for those wishing to learn her unique system and uh, she reaches a general audience eager to interpret their own dreams with her two book series um, which are Have a Great Dream which is book one, uh, the overview, uh, decoding your dreams to discover your full potential and book two have a great dream a deeper discussion decoding your dreams to discover your full potential <laughs> um, so Lane uh, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine thank you so much for inviting me Karen and my name is pronounced uh, Laney just the same like Elaine okay. on the Seinfeld show <laughs> Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for telling me that. Uh, I didn't get a chance to ask uh, before we uh, started the show, so I appreciate the correction. Um, so let's start with um, uh, with this. When someone says to you, um, you know, aren't symbols and archetypes uh, often personal? Um, can someone really interpret someone else's dream? What do you usually, you know, how do you answer that? What do you say? Well, actually, you cannot interpret someone else's dream. You, uh, but my, in my approach, I'm doing exactly the opposite because the symbols and metaphors that we choose are as unique to each of us as our fingerprint. And so what I do is I'll ask a series of questions to the dreamer, and they're the good questions. I know the right questions to ask, and it's the dreamer that tells me what the dream is about. It's, not, it's the opposite of a psychic experience. And so I use what I call um, six different basic points of entry, I call them. And the reason I call these um, uh, options points of entry is because it's exactly like doing a puzzle. Um, the dream is triggered 
today's dream is triggered by a very specific current issue that's going on in your waking life that you are attempting to problem solve. And so my first goal is to ask the dreamer questions to help them tell me what is the current situation this week in your life that triggered today's dream. Because as soon as they name this situation that they're trying to problem solve, um, we can look back in the dream, and one of the things that I love to do is help somebody understand what a solution looks like when it comes in the form of a metaphor. And I can give you some examples of points of entry, like the feelings, the action, uh, the symbols and metaphors, the repetition, the plot and play on words. And I can give you a couple of very easy, fast examples so you'll get to know where where I'm coming from. Like, um, okay. and they're just... I, I like to use one picture dreams for the radio discussions and um, uh, podcasts because it gives it to you fast and easy. Like an action point of entry, for example, is this woman who is dreaming that her chair is on fire. That's the whole dream. And so she is jumping out of the chair that is in flames. And that's a, a fantastic example of your dream giving you a rehearsal. And for her, it was to stop procrastinating. <laughs> so the dream actually set up a situation where she was actually physically moving to get herself up and uh, up and out and and the dreams will do that very often they're creating um, a scenario in the safety of your sleep in order to give you a rehearsal to practice certain behavior and as soon as you get comfortable with the behavior in your dream life you bring it out into your waking life and that was a dream to inspire her to move to stop procrastinating right yeah she literally yeah. lit a fire under herself <laughs> that's really exactly funny. I get that, <laughs> exactly so and, let, me, and um, let me ask you let me ask you this first um uh you know because this seems like this could be such a potent tool uh, to help us solve problems what do you say to the person who has difficulty first remembering their dreams do you have any tips? Yeah, that's a great question, Karen, because, of course, we want to begin by by re- being able to remember our dreams. And uh, one of the things that Freud said, which I love so much, is intention. Intention counts for a lot. And if you leave pen and paper beside your bed and you make a decision that you want to remember a dream, you probably will within a few days. And remember to start writing before you get off the bed to go to the washroom. 
You have to write immediately, even if you only get a few words down. And don't be thinking that you need a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end, because the example I just gave you about that woman, it spoke volumes, and it was only one picture. And I have dozens of those one-picture dreams that I can give you that will really illustrate for your listeners how to do it. And um, if the intention doesn't work, here's a favorite, uh, another favorite of mine, is you can start small with your watch and sit down in a chair, take your watch off, and just look very carefully at the hands, the band, and really take a look at the second hand ticking and then close your eyes and picture the watch in your mind's eye and picture all of it, the band and everything. And then open your eyes and look at the watch again. And once you've done that, maybe you want to sit in a chair and look all around the room and take note of the paintings and how many pictures are there on the wall and what does the couch feel like and look everywhere around because that's the facility that you need to employ in your brain to get you in the mood of looking inside, outside, inside, outside. And you close your eyes and walk around the room in your mind's eye. And that happens for me very often. I'll, I'll wake up and I'll say to myself, where was I? Where was I just a minute ago? And, and that's how you do it, by exercising that part of your mind about opening and closing your eyes for recall. So it, it, it's kind of a memory. It's a it's a, a memory exercise to help you um, have better recall. Is it, am I understanding that properly? Yes, you are, and and it's because there's a memory trace that's not working in your frontal lobe, that's not working at the same capacity when you're sleeping as when you're awake. So there's a physiological reason why you wouldn't remember, and of course very often we judge the dream and just brush it aside and you don't want to brush the dream aside because you can get some incredible information from your unconscious mind and and i guess the best way to say it is that i call this uh, welcome to the human race because uh, in our waking life we are adept at lying avoiding sweeping <laughs> We don't want to look at things, and that's, that's part of the human condition. But your unconscious never lies to you. And so whatever it is that you're underreacting to or avoiding during the day, I promise you your unconscious is going to bring the thing forward at night, and that's why you don't want to ignore your dreams because you, you wake up with the best psychoanalyst every morning right in the bed with you. So tell us about some of these other examples of dreams, like the the one you just shared about the procrastination and the chair on fire. Okay, good. Let's do that. Um, uh, So one of my recent favorites is this woman who's dreaming that she got a brand new puppy, and she's so excited about this puppy that she actually brings him up on the table right in front of her so she could be eye to eye with him, and all of a sudden, he 
poos all over the table and all over her arms and there's poo everywhere and so for this dream because you want to use what you are attracted to and you can use any point of entry that you want and what I did is I went for the plot and the feelings um, instead of going for the action I was looking for feelings and plot and I asked her because I, I'm not going deep yet and I am going to go deep with you but for now I want to stay surface and just looking at uh, what do you think happened in your life in the last week or a couple of days, uh, some situation that started out new and you were so excited about it and suddenly, very suddenly, it's taken a very messy turn for the worst. And so I'm using the plot, but I'm also using the feelings because she started out so excited in the dream and then there's a big mess everywhere. And it was about her job. She accepted a brand new job, and she was so excited about it. And after she was working there for about three or four days, she realized the boss is really an abusive guy. And you know that expression, like pooing all over somebody? But it's not that expression yeah. that you know what I'm talking about. And that's why she yep. used that, because you want to listen to the language of the dreamer. Because if you use an expression like, he was pooing all over everybody, but using the S word, if you're going to talk like that, then it's going to come in the form of a picture when you dream about the situation. And when you're speaking to yourself, you're speaking in your own personal language language. So if I say to one of my kids, get over here, I'm going to kill you. If I talk like that, they might go to sleep and dream that someone's trying to kill them. And it's not that they're processing the fact that I was angry and that I used that kind of language. And, uh, you know, or if I say I was so embarrassed, I thought I was going to die. And then I'll go to sleep and dream that I'm dying. And it's not that I'm dying. It's because I'm processing how embarrassed I was. And I use that expression. So she realized that this dream is about the fact that she got herself into a situation with an abusive boss. And one of the ways that I find solutions hidden in the dreams, sometimes they're not hidden, but in this case, I ask the dreamer, if you take that dream out into your waking life and solve the problem the same way you would. So for example, if you really had a new puppy and you really put him on the table and he really pooed all over the place, how would you solve that problem? What would you do? And she said, I would, the first thing I would do is take him off the table. That's the first thing I would do. And then I would clean him up and clean myself up. And so in that dreamer's language, taking something off the table, do you want to take a guess at what that meant for her? Um, well, I'm thinking maybe she's deciding that she's um, not going to keep that job. That, uh, Excellent. That job is off, the t is off the table now. Bravo, Karen Tate. That was exactly her. She said when she takes something off the table, it's not negotiable. It's non-negotiable. It's off the table. And the next day, she quit the job. Now, 
she would have quit that job anyway, in my opinion. After 47 years, I want to say with confidence that she would have quit that job anyway. But she prob- it may have taken her two or three months to get the message, but because she understood the metaphors in the dream and because she worked with her dream and talked about it in her waking life, it, it helped her make the decision. She realized what she was saying to herself, and she quit the job like the next day. Wow, that's really fascinating. How about one more? And then I want to talk to you about the points of entry. But give us another example because these are fun. Oh, I love them also. <laughs> this is why I'm just as passionate about dream analysis today as I was 47 years ago. Um, okay, so, um, oh, how about Stephen? But if I use this example, I'll, I'm just going to begin by going a little deeper so you understand the real reason why I am so attracted to dream analysis. It's because when we come into the world, we come in whole. We have a plethora of potential. We could be shy, assertive, a hero, a chicken. We can be selfish, giving. Maybe you're the comedian in the family. Maybe you're the more serious person. Maybe you're an initiator. Maybe you're somebody who doesn't initiate. You're always on the receiving end. And so we come into the world with everything. And the people that bring us up teach us that it's better to be one way than another way. And so we become what I call over-exercised in some aspects of our personality and under-exercised in others. So Carl Jung, for example, he would have called our under-exercised parts our shadows, sometimes to the point where they're so under-exercised that we don't even recognize that part of ourself. And the thing is, is that because you play all the parts in the dream, usually your ego, you take the part in the dream that you feel the most connected to, and you give out all the other parts of the dream to people, places, and things, but they represent different parts of the dreamer. And so the reason I do dream analysis is because this is the one place where we have, where we can find out which are the parts of ourselves that are under-exercised and because they appear at the appropriate time, it's not random. And I, I just want to repeat, it is not random, the people and places and scenarios that happen in the dreams. So here's this guy, Stephen. He grew up in a family with siblings. And the message that he got was, it's not okay to be selfish. Because he often heard things like, Go share your toys with your brother. Go look after your sister. And anyway, your whole existence when you grow up with siblings is that you have to share your parents' attention. So your whole being is about sharing, accommodating, and giving, and, and which is wonderful, except those of us who grow up in that kind of circumstance often not always, but often we turn out to be those people, like many of us know, including myself, that have difficulty saying no. We're always saying yes, because we're over-exercised in helping out. And so Stephen 
dreams that he has, he's climbing up a ladder, and there's paper everywhere, even blocking his way up. He's trying so hard to get to the top of the ladder, and at the top of the ladder is his college roommate, who he has not seen in about 25 years, encouraging him up the ladder. And that dream was about all the paper that was on Stephen's desk, because the day before the situation that triggered the dream is that his friends invited him to a movie. And Stephen is under-exercised in taking care of Stephen. And he's always saying yes. And so he agreed to go to a movie with his friends the following night, and he really wasn't paying attention to himself at all because because uh, of all the paper on his desk and the fact that he really would rather be at work than at a movie. And so I asked him using a symbol's point of entry, I asked him very quickly, what are the first two or three things that come to your mind about that roommate? And his answer was immediate. The first thing that came out of his mouth is that he was such a selfish, take care of me first kind of guy. That's how he described his college roommate. And the reason why the college roommate is at the top of the ladder encouraging Stephen up is because that's the part of Stephen that he needs to connect to, that part of himself that is a take-care-of-me-first kind of person. Because in this particular situation, you want to access the best response that fits for you, the dreamer. And for him, it was to not go to the movie. And the following morning, because again, because he understood the metaphors in the dream, he picked up the phone and called his friends and he said, I'm really sorry, but I'm not going to join you for a movie tonight because there's so much work on my desk. I just want to get to all that paper. Huh. Well, and I, I wonder, too, um, you know, what, what I'm getting is he's trying to climb up the ladder. Uh, the selfish roommate is up near the top, you know, uh, on the path that he's tr- attempting to climb, but it's blocked, you know, the, that path is blocked to him, um, you know, by all of these papers. So I guess in a way I'm thinking um, reaching that part of himself where he um, would take care of himself first, that was sort of cut off to him. Well, not after he understood the dream, no. Right, right, because right. Because he, he, you know, he took care of business. But yes, what you're saying is perfectly you're looking at a perfect picture and that's what's that he stops himself it's in the way it's in the way of him getting to that part of himself and for me the crux of the whole matter there's there's two main um cruxes for me in dream analysis one is that for me there's no good or bad there's no right or wrong there's no such thing as that for me For me, it's about I want to be able to, and I want to teach other people to be able to 
be in a position to respond to the people and situations in your life in the most appropriate way, because there is no good, bad, right, or wrong, but there is appropriate and inappropriate. So, for example, I grew up in a home with European parents, and I was not allowed to express my feelings, especially to my father if he was yelling at me, and so I couldn't look at him and say, excuse me, I don't like how you're speaking to me right now, (laughs) because that would have been considered very disrespectful. And so I learned to become under um, exercised in speaking up and over exercised in shutting up. And that would been maybe that was okay in the dynamic of a six year old little girl whose father is yelling at her. But it is not appropriate if my husband raises his voice at me. I don't want to be standing there shaking in my boots like I'm seven years old. I want to be, my husband's my equal. I want to be able to open up my mouth and access my ability to use my voice. And and that is the reason why you want to do dream analysis because it gives you an incredible opportunity to exercise different parts of your personality and it leads to um, what uh, Freud would have called maturation or Jung would have called individuation. So in other words, I, in, the, in one of the books, I mean I don't even play golf, but in one of the books I call it playing a different game on the back nine because I did the first 40 years the way my parents told me to do it and I would like to do the next 40 years taking back all all those parts of myself. Interesting. Okay, um, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is fascinating stuff. I'm, I'm really enjoying this, Lainey. Um, but we're going to take a break for a moment here. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the points of entry. And then we're going to go on to maybe uh, maybe you have a favorite dream that you've analyzed. So uh, that's where we're going to go when, we're, when we come back in just a minute here. Uh, but before I go to commercial, I wanted to uh, take a quick moment and tell listeners Uh, that in the last few months uh, we've had uh, the unusual occurrence where either Blog Talk has uh, had some technical failures uh, on a few rare occasions or there was once or twice when my guests who were calling in from uh, it's usually um, from another country across the pond uh, got the times mixed up. So uh, if there has been a show that you've missed uh, because it was scheduled, but then it wasn't actually in the archives. I just wanted to give you a heads up. That is probably what happened. It was either a technical difficulty uh, from blog talk, because that does happen on occasion, uh, not often, but on occasion, uh, or uh, there was some confusion in communication about the time the show started and the guest did not call in. Um, I always do try to reschedule those sorts of shows, Uh, if at all possible. So if there was one that you missed that, um, you know, you were just so disappointed and uh, you want to find out when that guest was rescheduled, uh, please just uh, pop me an email. Okay? Uh, So there. Hope we cleared that up. Now, uh, especially for those of you uh, who feel called by the fairy faith, uh, listen closely because this will be about Joe Carson's book titled Celebrate Wildness. Mm-hmm. 
Celebrate Wildness has practical instructions on how to make your own fairy ring henge, how to magically restore any place to its original wild harmony, how to feel the shapes of the earth as if they really are a part of your own body, and even how to initiate yourself into the Ferraferia path. From early Ferraferia member, John Beggs. What a beautiful, inspired, and inspiring book this is. The text is a delight, augmenting, interpreting, and celebrating the drawings that the singer sometimes adds another dimension of understanding to a musical composition. It has the glow, glory, and joy of a masterpiece. Celebrate Wildness is an oversized, hardbound book on heavy paper. It is written by filmmaker Joe Carson, who made the film Dancing with Gaia. You can get it for $25 from the Ferraferia website at ferraferia.org. That's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. So just to clarify, Joe Carson's magical book entitled Celebrate Wildness is available only at ferraferia.org, F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. And uh, just a reminder, we will have a special show on Friday, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Central, uh, with Jeanette Blanigan-Clancy called How Pagan Christians Actually Are. Uh, And that's going to be a fun one, so don't miss it. Uh, You can catch it from the archives or you can catch us live on Friday. And uh, I am here with uh, Lainey Delphin, and uh, we are talking about problem solving while we sleep. Uh, so, Lainey, uh, tell me about these points of entry that you've mentioned a couple times. Uh, what are those exactly? Um, well, there's six of them. Uh, the first one is the feelings. Unfortunately, lots of times we're not necessarily in touch with our feelings, but in case we are, it's kind of like a dance of going in the dream, outside, inside, outside. So I'll ask the dreamer, how do you feel in the dream? And maybe they'll say, oh, I felt afraid, and then I'll come outside the dream. Can you think of something in your waking life that's making you feel afraid? So there's kind of that dance, that in and out. Uh, But if the feelings don't work, it's fine. You just take it out because I'll often hear a dreamer say, oh, I'm so afraid in the dream. And then I'll ask them, do you think there's something in your waking life that's making you feel anxious? And they'll say, no, I'm not feeling afraid of anything. (laughs) And so we're not always in touch. And that would help me go to another point of entry. And so the second one is the action in the dream. And I gave you an example with the woman whose chair is on fire. Or another example of the action in the dream is when I hear somebody say, oh, uh, I was trying to run, but my feet wouldn't work. My feet were stuck. And that's that's an action dream. That's going to make me want to ask the dreamer, do you think there's some situation that you're trying to run away from? Or is the dream giving the dreamer a rehearsal to stay still? Because maybe this is a situation the dreamer has been running from and they getting a rehearsal about standing still to stay there for it. 
So uh, you, that's why you always want to check. It's not an exact thing. It's only the dreamer who can tell you whether it, it you know, whether it's happening or it's not happening. You know. And then there's the okay. symbols and metaphors, which I gave you an example of Stephen with his college roommate, and that was using symbols, a symbol and metaphor about a certain behavior that uh, Stephen had in his filing cabinet called his unconscious about some um, characteristic that he was needing to employ at that particular time in his life. And so those are symbols and metaphors. And one of uh, that I often use as an example is this guy I know who uses New York in a dream when he's, that's the way he says to himself that he's very busy. He uses a city to make a comment about himself. So a symbol okay. can be people, places, and things. And, um, and, uh, Oh, and here's another example I love giving. Uh, poor, poor, my poor Andrew, my husband, I'm always using him as an example. But if he aggravates me, and we've been together for well over 30 years, so of course sometimes we aggravate each other. But if he aggravates me, my, when I go to sleep, my filing cabinet, or for those of us that are under 50, I call it a database and but for myself i call it a filing cabinet <laughs> and the filing cabinet opens up when you go to sleep and every single boyfriend that i've ever had my whole life they are all in the same file file as andy is and you it's not an accident who you choose if i dream about somebody who i dated when i was 18 years old i'm going to want to ask myself what are the what, what comes to my mind when i think about that that guy what happened in my relationship with him what feelings come to mind what story comes to mind because it's not random that i would choose somebody that I was dating way back when because I'm wanting to say something to myself about Andy in my current situation and maybe he made me feel a certain way last night that is similar to the way I felt when I dated that guy when I was 16. So they all become oh, okay. interchangeable, and you want to be able to take the symbol of the, that person that you're dreaming about, because if you have not seen that person this week, and that person is not part of your life, they are in your dream because they are there to point you to the current situation. And I'm somebody that loves going deep. That's why the second book is called A Deeper Discussion, because I like going deep, but I am a first things first kind of girl. And so first I want to know, what's the current situation that triggered the dream? And let's talk about that first, because once we've talked about that, then we can look at, if the dreamer wants to, we can start looking at how is that behavior hampering you in other areas of your life or where does it come from that belief or that behavior and so that's kind of yeah. how it goes and another point of entry just to finish those is um, 
repetition because you must remember in school, read it, write it, recite it. Read it, write it, recite it. That's how we learn. We repeat. And the dreams do the same thing. And so some, I remember um, when my first book got published about 18 years ago, I'm a, a radio person, and I, I love being on the radio because it's um, I could be sitting with a cup of tea talking to how many thousands or million people, and I'm in my pajamas having a cup of tea in the morning, <laughs> and nobody can see me. And I love the anonymity of it. But I was invited to go to New York to be on Good Day New York, and I had never been on TV before, and I was pretty scared. And so I knew I was going in January, and all through the Christmas holidays, I was having these sort of uh, fearful dreams. And one night, I dreamt about a ghost. And what does that mean? It means I'm scared. And later, and not only am I scared, but I have no control over a ghost. And then later on in the night, I dreamt that I was standing on the abyss of a cliff. And what does that mean? It means I'm scared. It's a completely different picture, but it means I'm scared. And then in the morning, I dreamt about my grade five teacher. And what does that mean? It means I'm scared. <laughs> so... There are three completely different pictures, but when you deconstruct the language of mine, my language, when you deconstruct the, meta, the metaphor, you find out that I'm repeating to myself, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. Interesting. Real, that's really cool. This is fascinating, Lainey. Um, yeah. So do you, uh, were, those the, were, were those the points of entry, or did you cover them all? Um, well, I'll just uh, finish about that. I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. The purpose of that, by the way, is that if you're exercising, feeling frightened over and over again for leading up to some situation that's coming up, for me it was a TV show, for somebody else it would be some other, you know, job performance or whatever, you know, whatever it is that you're leading up to that's making you feel anxious. If you are spending your night, your night life, your nighttime life, um, being scared, 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 by the time you get to the situation, like by the time I got to New York, it was like been there, done that. I was completely desensitized to being scared because I was busy doing that every night in my dreams. And and also wow. my dreams were my dreams were all taking place in this huge space. And so when I walked into the studio, because I had never been in a television studio before that, and when I came into this massive room with no walls, it was also been there, done that, because I had been rehearsing that in my dreams all through the Christmas holidays. So that's, wow. that's what happens to you. You, you prepare I see. Okay. Well, I, I do want to ask you, um, what does it mean when someone, uh, you know, who has died appears in a dream? I mean, I know some people say they really think that's the person coming back to them for saying something, giving them a message, whatever. Um, what's your take on that? Well, my take on that in a business way is to look at it from 
a purely uh, psychological perspective. So if I'm dreaming about my mom, um, then that would be that nurturing, take care of me side of myself my um my motherly side looking after me so i she would represent the part of myself that knows how to look after myself especially in a loving way uh, but ha- but how do you and i know that it's also not really my mother visiting me i happen to be a spiritual person and so for in the business world i'm looking only at the psychological perspective but I think that we are multitasking, and I think that there's lots of times when it's when we're doing, you know, three, four things at, at once. Um, like I know one woman who this is many years ago. Actually, it's I even know the year. It was 1997. And she was dreaming that she was in a hotel looking for shelter. And she ran into the family whose name is Talk. And that, that's really that family's name is Talk. And um, she was dreaming about them. And this is an example of play on words and puns. Because she needed to talk to her boyfriend. And the the dreamer knows the talk family because those kids used to go to the same camp as she did. And um, that's also the camp where she met her boyfriend. So the, the talk family gives her the link. It points her to her boyfriend, which is who the problem was with. And it also points her to the solution, which is that she needed to talk to him and the fact that she's in a um, a hotel looking for shelter is because, you know, when you want to talk to somebody, you want to feel safe that they're not going to break off with you or they're not going to reject you. You want to feel um, you want to feel um, uh, sheltered and comforted that you're allowed to say what you want to say. And so she was looking for shelter in this hotel, and then two weeks after she had that dream, the ice storm happened in north, in the northeast, in New York and um, Vermont and Montreal. We were very badly affected by a snowstorm, uh, an ice storm, and the electricity was out for over a month. Um, and this woman, after a month, simply couldn't stay at her house anymore and she went to this hotel looking for a room and ran into the talk family who she had not seen in about 15 years wow wow it's, well that's I'll crazy you, you have, <laughs> yeah i mean you you have told us some great examples um but do you have a favorite Yes, I do have a favorite, which is also I teach at um, to the counseling students at Concordia University. I lecture about dream analysis every year, and this this is a favorite of all the students, and it's also a favorite of mine. So I'll just go for it. Um, and that's a woman who has again a one-picture dream that she has a piglet stuck to her breast. That's the whole dream. Okay. Are you there? 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm waiting. I, I, this one is not immediately giving me any any clues. Okay, what's, what's behind this? Me too. But when I when I heard that dream, um, the, my first point of entry was the action because what I said to her was, "Wow, you a piglet stuck to your breast! You must have been running around crying, trying to get it off you." And she said, "No, I'm actually just standing there looking at it." And so once I hear that answer. That even uh, you don't need to know the dreamer to come up with this uh, hypothesis, because I'm saying to myself, either the dream is mirroring the dreamer's underreaction to some situation, because obviously, if you had a piglet stuck to your breast, you would not be standing there looking at it. You'd be running around, you know, crying or freaking out. You would not be standing there. So either it's reflecting her underreaction to some situation, or is it kind of like Le Mans, and the dreamer is going through something very painful, and the dream is giving her a rehearsal to stay with it, to just go with the pain. So I'm not sure yet what happened, but I did say to her, what did you do yesterday? Where did you go? Who were you with? What did you do? And she said, oh, I was walking on Sherbrooke Street, in, which is a street in Montreal, with my sister. And so I asked her, tell me the first few things that come to your mind about your sister. What kind of personality is she? And she went through a couple of different descriptions, and nothing really clicked. And with dream analysis, the, the great news I have to give you is that when you get it, you get it all. It all makes suddenly perfect sense. And it didn't really fit. So I asked her, who else did you see? What else did you do? And she said, well, we ran into my ex-boyfriend. And again, I asked her, what are the first two or three things that come to your mind if you're going to describe him to me? What would you say? And she said, I, I know, would say... I know, I know, I know, I know. Wait, wait, wait. Please, let me just say this. He was a pig, okay. right? He was a horrible boyfriend. <laughs> he okay, was a dependent. Yes, he was a dependent little pig. That's what she said. A dependent <laughs> little pig. <laughs> so now we know, and by the way, this is an unbelievable example of puns and play on words in a dream, because she calls him a dependent little pig, that's why he's on the breast, and and that's why it's a little pig, and I said to her, and what happened when you saw him? Well, he's making a party for himself, and he asked me to cook the food for the party, so now it's another reason why he's on the breast and I said wow that's so nice that you get along with your ex that you're going to go to his party and you're going to help him make the food and she said I don't want to make the food for his party I don't want to go to the party I don't want to see this guy anymore and I said and did you say that well, no, because my sister was there and his friends were there, and I didn't really want to say. So that so the dream is showing us a, a perfect mirror reflection of her underreaction, and and I said, well, maybe you have something to get off your chest. <laughs> <laughs> You 
I see why you want to keep your sense of humor. This is a favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this is fantastic, oh, this is eh? This is fun. And I'll tell you what the, oh, the um, I'll tell you what the pièce de résistance is from that dream, is that when a woman is um, uh, nursing, the expression is to express milk, so she needed to express herself, literally. Ah. 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 Okay. I, I see why that's your favorite. That is really, really an awesome dream. Well, so well, let's let's turn it around to you just for a minute, Lainey. Um, give us an example of of how it was you came to you know look at dreams for problem solving. Um, well, for me, it was I got married at nineteen, and I had. Um, my first child just like one two weeks after I turned 21 and she was born with Down syndrome we don't have Tina anymore she passed away a couple of years ago at um, 45 but um, uh, sorry 44 but um, right after I had her I became depressed of course it makes sense that I would become depressed and um, I went into psychoanalysis with a brilliant Freudian analyst and uh, I wasn't so well able to articulate my feelings the way I am today when I was 20 but I'm a dreamer and I used to walk into the sessions with the shrink always with a dream and so my initiation to Freud was that I experienced him before I studied him, because that was the first place where I found out that we are problem-solving in our dreams. Wow. And then, of course, wow. I went on to study, uh, you know, as you said in the intro, I went on to learn more about dreams from a um, Gestalt and an Adlerian and a Jungian um, perspective because I, I'm eclectic when it comes to dream analysis. I, I love all the fathers of psychology and I love how all of them, I think they all had something to contribute and they didn't need to be fighting. They were all, all of them were correct. Right, right. Well, we have about five minutes left, um, so I want to ask you quickly um, about nightmares. Um, or is are na- nightmares just simply something we're afraid of, um, or is it not that simple? A nightmare is very, very healthy because whatever it is that you – we are self-regulating organisms – and so it's the same. I like to use the example of if you have to if you have to pee, you can hold it in, hold it in, hold it in, and at a certain point you have to go to the washroom. <laughs> There's just no getting away from it. And our dreams, our our waking life is very similar. You can hold something in, hold it in, hold it in. You hold in your feelings, and they have to go somewhere. And when you are holding in your feelings and you are not expressing yourself in the appropriate way during the day, your dream is going to overreact. And the nightmare is the overreaction to your underreaction. So it's a very healthy thing because the first thing that happens is that it creates a balance. And the second thing that happens is because it's a nightmare, it succeeds in grabbing your attention because your unconscious wants you to talk about whatever it is. 
like that radio DJ that's pulling a string out of his mouth and choking, and he keeps pulling and pulling and pulling and choking. And the, the nightmare is because he needs to say, he needs to speak about something, and so the nightmare is encouraging him to talk. Okay, okay, okay. Well, and, and I would imagine, too, in these dreams where we um, something happens and we can't scream, um, you know, would, could that be a sign that we're, uh, we can't find our voice about something, you know? Um, it, does that make sense? Karen, Karen, you get me. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. This is this is fascinating, Lainey. Honestly, um, you are you are probably. I, I mean, I've had people on the show about dreams before, but uh, you make the most sense of any. Um, you you are just awesome. Um, tell me tell me what is have have a great dream dot com. Um, Have a Great Dream is the same title as both my books, and if you go to haveagreatdream.com, there's all kinds of things about dreams that you can do uh, for yourself. There's articles. There's a free little dream course that you can take. You can sign up for my newsletter. You can book an appointment to speak with me privately. Um, and I uh, talk to people on the phone and I do Skype also. Um, and that's kind of what's happening there. And I, okay. I also okay. love Very inviting cool. people to go to my Instagram, which is uh, L-A-Y-N-E, Laney underscore Dream Analyst. Okay. Um, well, we're about out of time, um, but I want to give you the last word. Uh, is there anything I haven't thought to ask you that, um, you know, you feel like listeners have to know, or do you think we covered it? I think we covered a lot of it. I think whatever it is, like the easiest thing to try and connect to is some kind of part in the dream uh, that you can turn it around and ask yourself a question about what is making you feel in a similar way in your life. And if you guys want to figure it out, Christmas is right around the corner and you, I'm inviting all of you to purchase some books or a session with me for someone you love who remembers their dreams. It, there you go. That sounds like a great idea and a fun one, too. Um, well, Lainey, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. I, I just so enjoyed speaking to you. You made so much sense. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start thinking about my dreams a little bit differently. I'm going to try to start recalling them and uh, delve a little bit more into my subconscious here. <laughs> thank you so I'm much glad. for the show tonight. Thank you, Karen. I think you're just so smart. You, it, it was an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you very much, and you have a great holiday, and uh, let's keep in touch. If uh, something comes up that uh, you feel like would make a great show, get back in touch, okay? Okay, definitely. I will. Okay, good night, and happy Thanksgiving. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So just... 
to kind of wrap things up tonight, and uh, I'm just realizing I told Lainey Happy Thanksgiving, and I think she's in Canada, uh, but Happy Thanksgiving anyway. Uh, we all have wonderful things to give thanks for. Um, so just a reminder, uh, the next two shows of Voices of the Sacred Feminine are going to be at 11 a.m. Pacific. Uh, the, the next one is this Friday, a special show uh, with Jeanette Blonigan-Clancy uh, titled How Pagan Christians Actually are. And then Wednesday, our regular show day, um, the 4th of December, next Wednesday, will be at 11 a.m. again uh, because my guest is calling in from Europe. Uh, I will have with me William Bond, and he is going to be talking about the return of matriarchy and feminine power. So, um, that should give you uh, some uh, great shows to look forward to. Uh, remember, please uh, click the follow button so you get a notice of shows uh, in the inbox. And, uh, you know, that way, um, you know, you can get to them easily with, uh, without uh, looking around or, uh, you know, fumbling for stuff. It will be right there for you at your convenience. Uh, and also, uh, with the holidays coming, um, I would sure appreciate if uh, you would support my work uh, with either a donation that you can make uh, by going to my uh, website, karentate.net, uh, or uh, purchase one of my books. Um, there are a number of books to choose from. Uh, you can go to my Facebook page or my website and see what they are. Uh, and if you buy them directly from me, um, Amazon doesn't end up getting all the money. <laughs> so um, we have the Manifesting a New Normal uh, trilogy, which uh, or uh, three anthologies, which are, are pretty incredible, uh, great contributors uh, with lots of wisdom, uh, men and women, um, way showers and uh, foremothers. Uh, you have the anthologies you can choose from. You also have Sacred Places of Goddess, 108 Destinations. I still don't think there's anything on the market that can hold a candle to it. Um, there's Walking an Ancient Path, Rebirthing Goddess on Planet Earth, which is an award-winning book. Uh, I hear the best buzz about that one. And also Goddess Calling, uh, Inspirational Messages and Meditations uh, of Sacred Feminine Liberation Theology. So there's lots of good stuff there, and uh, I would be appreciative if uh, you would buy those books directly from me. Uh, you can go to my website and learn more about that, or you can email me at karentate108 at yahoo.com. Uh, there's no shortage of ways to get in touch with me. So uh, if you'd like to make a donation or buy a book, it would be most appreciated. It helps me continue doing what I'm doing. It helps me keep the radio show on the air and uh, uh, it helps me uh, continue to do uh, other projects that you might not know about yet. All right. Uh, well, that about does it for me tonight. I hope you enjoyed tonight's show with Lainey Dolphin, uh, D-A-L-F-E-N. Uh, please uh, look for her books. And... Um, uh, I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Myself, uh, today, uh, we're having a white Thanksgiving. We're going to probably be snowed in until Sunday, uh, but that's okay. We're warm. We have lots of great food. I'm going to be cooking some New Orleans favorites uh, for my husband, uh, fried cauliflower, a special macaroni and cheese, green bean casserole, uh, crab meat pie, uh, maybe some crab meat dip. 
uh, yeah, not the traditional um, Thanksgiving fare for us. Um, that's a little bit too boring. <laughs> so uh, those are the things we're going to be uh, sharing over the next few days. We'll spread them out. Uh, we also had some Doberge cake uh, that we had shipped in from uh, Gambino's Bakery in New Orleans. Um, so, yeah, we are going to have some uh, nice things to eat over the next few days and just give thanks uh, for all that uh, uh, we have to be grateful for. And I hope uh, you will do the same. Uh, and I am grateful to you, my dear listeners. Uh, as I always say, you are the gas in my tank. Uh, it's you that's kept me going all of these years. So thank you for your listener loyalty. And uh, I love hearing from you. So please uh, continue to stay in touch. All right. That about does it. Uh, for me for tonight, and um, happy holidays. Uh, be well, and uh, be back with me uh, at 11 a.m. Pacific on Friday. Good night. <laughs>